What we do here is go back, 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 back. back. Welcome, welcome to the Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to doers, creators, entrepreneurs, uh, CEOs, innovators, hustlers, passion-driven uh, artists, you name it, people in and around the world that are, they're very driven by doing something different. They are in their vibe, they're on their, their grind, or they're um, you know going against the status quo of, of what is quote-unquote the norm. Uh, and really exploring themselves. <clears throat> and every week we bring on guests that are also the same. And we're very fortunate that they will actually talk a little bit more about their journey of, of becoming, if you will. Um, you know, I always say we don't feature, uh, feature um, we don't focus on uh, end success and glamorize it and glorify it because it's, it's not. It's not glamorous. <laughs> it's anything but glamorous. It's actually quite the opposite along the way. Um, but more importantly, we're all humans having human experiences and what better way than to bring on guests that talk about what are they learning in real time while they're building something that they truly believe in um, because you're always on your journey in some capacity one way or another. And, um, you know, we're very fortunate that we have this amazing global community. You guys are amazing and awesome. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The, the, you guys have been expanding. I mean, the constant reaching out, the DMs and the commenting. I'm really, truly grateful for all of it. And uh, please continue to do so, especially with the people that come on our show. Please go interact with them. <clears throat> That's why they're here. And we have another incredible show. I met this individual in San Diego uh, briefly when I was at San Diego Interactive and uh, sat next to one of his good friends and uh, who's an amazing PR guy as well. And, and um, we, were, we were talking a bit and then we all jumped on a phone and we went on a tear. And it was when I knew this guy is definitely coming on the podcast and I couldn't wait uh, for him to get on soon enough. Neil Bedwell, he's an entrepreneur and founding partner of Local Industries. We're going to talk a little bit about that, uh, his bio here and his background. Um, but the theme here that we want to talk a little bit about is there's no such thing as a career. And that's going to rock a few of you guys because we're going to get really raw about, you know, this word career. Um, now, this is also coming from our experiences. I'm going to share that with Neil, our experiences, because, you know, a career signifies one thing. And I, for me, for me personally, I feel that it, it signifies one thing. And I literally just did a post on this yesterday. We are more than one thing in a lifetime. We're several things. Sometimes we're several things at, at one time, not in an inefficient way, just that we're involved in multiple things and that, you know, times have, have truly changed. And we're going to talk a lot about that. But first, I want to queue up Neil's background because it's incredible. Uh, and it speaks to my heart and my soul because it's a lot of my background and it's nice to be able to geek out with somebody who understands me. <laughs> so I always appreciate it. He's a digital native and strategic leader with 15 plus years uh, running uh, work teams and businesses in London, Amsterdam and San Francisco, now in Atlanta. Uh, he's a founding partner at Local Industries. 
uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, he's been lucky enough to experience life on the agency side as head of strategy and managing director at Isobar, and as cli- and as a client leading digital strategy and content for Coca-Cola's Global Content Excellence Group. So to give you guys an idea, especially in like you know digital marketing and branding and media and that whole world that's emerged over the last 15 plus years. Uh, which I preach about all the time. He's been fortunate enough to be on both sides, the client side and the agency side. That means that man knows <laughs> how to run multiple projects at one time or be all all in on one huge, massive project. Okay, so got to give this guy a lot of respect. Um, his work included leadership uh, of the digital program for the 2014 uh, FIFA World Cup in Brazil, developing new ways to create and publish content in real time across multiple social channels, imagine global digital agency relationships. That is not easy. I can speak for him on that. <laughs> and then Neil is an advisor to multiple startups, a general assembly, assembly instructor, and regular Forbes agency council contributor and keynote speaker on employee engagement, brand building, and marketing innovation in the social age with appearances at the Adobe Summit, South by Southwest, IAB Mexico, The Economist, Big Rethink, Worlds, uh, Disrupt HR. Oh, there's a, I got to get, I want to get all of them because they're amazing. Uh, Atlanta HR Summit, Lead Change 2018, HR Daily Advisors, uh, Talent Con 2019, Interactive Day San Diego, that's where we met, and Association of Change Management Professionals, Atlanta and Change Management Review, to name a few. He's also contributed to Handbook of Advances in Marketing in an Era of Disruptions, Essays in Honor of, I hope I get this name right, Jadish, did I get that right? Jadish, Seth? Published by Sage Publishing. He'll tell me if I got that right. Um, Neil, welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. Nice to talk to you. And and I've got to say, as a British guy, I think I need, you need to do all of my introductions from now on. This is like <laughs> the opening of a movie for me. Um, D- done. Smooth, a smooth, rich-voiced American telling the story of all the stuff that I've done. It sounds way better when, it, when, you, when you say it than I did. Right, right. Just uh, you know, just tell me where I need to be and when. Send for a plane. I'm cool. <laughs> no problem. Done. Done. <laughs> Neil, you have an incredible background. The first time we spoke on the phone, we went on a tear. I your background really resonates with me, and I want to share that with the world because um, it was very honest and it was very um, you know, um, uh, direct about you know this this amazing it's a both an amazing world this digital world but it's also been a transformational one for companies because it's all new and every year it's every year it's new again and it's a constant you know we're 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 babysitting companies while at the same time we're we're growing them because we we want to see this them embrace this amazing technological era that we live in but you can go in any direction you want. I just I wanted to walk everybody into like how do we get here to today, and then this idea of you know because that from there we're going to lead into like you know this idea of like there's no such thing as a career and kind of where our experiences have led us and why we've we've gotten involved in so many things. But I'm going to let you take it from here. Yeah, that's a hell of a question. How did we get here? Right. So um, I could start in a whole bunch of different places, but I'm going to start with a gentleman called Ian. So uh, if, if you and I were longtime friends, you'd know this about me, that really all I am is a mechanic. I'm a car guy. You guys call it a gearhead, uh, which means something really different in England. Um, but as a, I've been obsessed with cars and racing since I was a little kid. My dad gave me a model of a Porsche 911 when I was maybe five. And so um, I did what every kid does who wants to be a racing driver. I quit school the first minute that I could, which in the UK at that time is 16 years old. And I went and joined the Benetton Formula One racing team, helping to design and build race engines. I had the coolest job in the world. Um, 
until I actually got there and realized that um, I've gone from a 16-year-old wide-eyed kid, um, you know, to a 45-year-old working man in one day. Um, and as I got sort of deeper and deeper into making this stuff, I realized that I'd, I'd, I'd strayed very far away from the thing that I actually wanted. Um, what I wanted to be was a racing driver. What I actually was was a draftsman drawing small components on, on very large pieces of paper and an engineer and a production guy in a set of overalls walking through a foundry with flames and fire or working through a machine shop with huge noise and, and people sort of working these 10 hour shifts, six or seven days a week, um, genuinely had a, what the fuck am I doing with myself moment? Um, after two years of this and my dad, my dad is an engineer. Um, I'm from a small medium sized town in England, um, called Northampton, which is a lot of engineering firms are there. Uh, he was very proud of me for becoming an engineer and following, following in his footsteps. But for me, after two years of doing it, it was the last thing I wanted to do. Um, and I was scared shitless. And there's a gentleman called Ian, who is the marketing guy at uh, this, this big engineering firm that I was working at making these engines. Uh, and so I sat down with Ian as part of my tour of duty around the facility just for two weeks. And in two weeks, um, he changed my view on what it meant to be part of this world that I love. I didn't actually have to get my, you know, wake up at six o'clock in the morning and, and, and just make and, and build these things. I could actually do something which felt more close to what I was good at, felt a little bit more like the thing that maybe I was born with, which was, was to actually communicate it, tell stories about it. Um, and so over the course of those, that, that two weeks, this guy um, kind of lit a fire in me about um, all, of the, all of the potential I might have to go and do something like that. There's another bit as well, which is when you're, you're nearly 18 at this point. So um, I uh, don't know anything about the world. But I was looking at the engineer um, that I was working for and looking at Ian, the marketing guy that I was working for. And Ian had to call a car. So the engineer drove a Ford sedan and the marketing guy drove a Porsche 911. I was like, well, we need to go do that, don't we? So after uh, tears and fights and, and, and deep discussions with family, um, I walked out uh, after three years of a four-year deal, which, by the way, I beat 200 other kids to get. So this was a big deal. I had my name in, in the local newspaper for getting this job. Uh, and, and I walked out with nothing to go to other than uh, the chance to join a, a, a low-grade diploma in, uh, in London studying marketing. So that's where it all started. Um, and that, it, it, when I look back now at the sort of the journey that I've taken, it all comes from just that someone saying, you know what, the thing you've chosen to do but that you now don't feel it was the right choice is not, that's not fixed. It's not set in stone. You can go and do something else. So I've, I've never actually seen the Ian ever, ever again since I was 18, but uh, I would love to shake him by the hand because he gave me kind of a view on the world that I've kept until this day. Um, so that's how I got here, how I got there, there's many more stories like that along the way, but I think we can get to them as we go. So. Yeah, no. And, and, and I like, I like that. I think people get stuck from the commitment to something and then tying an expectation to it and then not auditing themselves and saying, it's okay if this time is done and you did that. 
with the racing. Well, and the societal pressure. It's not just the pressure on yourself. Yeah. Like I'm, letting, I'm letting people down here. Yeah. Um, and actually the story, when having this conversation, there was some very cool people at this um, big traditional engineering company. The boss, the big boss of all of it, when I said that I was, I was leaving, um, he said, so my job here is to convince you to stay because we've invested a lot of money in you. But uh, I'm, I'm sitting here towards the end of my career and I'm saying, I use that word, I'm going to debunk that word in a second, towards the end of my working adventure, let's use that instead, uh, and saying um, with a smile, I am so happy with the choices I've made and the journey that I've been on. But if you, if I convince you to stay, do you think that you will look back at some point in your life and say, if only I'd have, I'd have followed the other path? And I said, yes, I think I would. He said, then you should go. Mm. You think, think about that. Someone had the wisdom and also the, 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 the self-awareness to say, this isn't just about what we need from this kid now. This kid actually needs me. Um, and that, that, those moments are as clear to me as, as, as yesterday, even though they were some odd years ago. So. I have chills when you said that, and it's it's expanding because of um, the respect in that moment. It was a very selfless act on his part because he's coming to yeah. the end of of that run within that particular uh, adventure, and could have easily done the corporate thing. We're going to convince you because you know that's the corporate thing to do, <laughs> and right. and the selfish thing, and instead said you know, look, you have a long life ahead of you. Lots of choice, God willing, lots of, lots of choices to make, you know, um, it, go, it, go, it, go you know how easy it is to scare an 18 year old kid into staying in a job. He could have done it in a minute. Yeah. Could have told me I'd never get another job. Could have told me that, that, um, you know, that this was the biggest opportunity that I ever had and I'd never get anything else like this. And it, and it, and it would have saved him money, but instead he didn't do that. he, was self-aware and selfless, like you said, and it cost him money. I mean, tens of thousands, maybe I, three years of a training course for, for including all of the, the time spent by all of his, his senior employees training me right. to give it all up. Yeah, it was, uh, I'm, I'm, and I'm proud of myself for listening and I'm proud of myself for getting on my bicycle after that and cycling off and not, and not, regretting it um so yeah that's that that for me is 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 where it all started and and actually when we start to talk about this word career is where the first realization of the the overemphasis we have on that word as a society started to to come into focus and, and it's just gotten clearer and clearer with every step that i that i take yeah well let's let's dive into that word career because mm. because um, it's been queued up and, uh, neither of us like that word, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and, and it's, I, I wrote, I wrote a little bit about this yesterday. Um, careers are a funny thing because they're very, in my opinion, they're very one dimensional and, uh, we are, we, we grow, we have so many experiences and especially the more self-aware we become, we take our talents and our skill sets that we acquire or that have naturally, we take them and we can go into many different directions and do many different things with them and have many different types of impact. Um, and that is counter uh, intuitive to previous generations of you will be responsible, quote unquote, and do this one thing. 
And, um, you know, that's, uh, that was what was always instilled from a societal pressure for a long time. And we're seeing the results of people now not doing that. And it's quite fascinating to watch. But there's still a majority of the population that I feel is hung up on that career. And then I, 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 I talked a bit about this, and then I'm going to let you go on a tear. And I talked a little bit about this is this the idea that if I'm somebody, I'm trying, Neil, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm an engineer. Like, great. I now know how exactly um, I fit in within your world. I now know. I now know how to understand you and better understand myself, given your title. And I think it's wrong. <laughs> but I think that that's the 100%. psychological. I think that's the psychological nature of people. Is like I can now better understand who, what my place is in this world based on your title. What? Because I've put you in a box. Because I've put and now I understand box. that box, which means that everybody else who has the same title is the same as you. Exactly. Which is which is bollocks. Which um, is crazy because none of us but, are the same. There's no two people that are the same. No. So, so I, I'll give you a couple of different ways into this. Um, the, the first one is the tragedy of it. Um, if you think of the traditional linear career, which is about uh, promotional, promotion and advancement, it's like you're walking down a corridor and the corridor is getting narrower and narrower and the people that you're walking with are getting kind of wedged and stuck and falling through doorways and you just want to be the last one standing at the end of the corridor, which which is bonkers. Right. Um, and and in so walking through that corridor, you didn't get to turn around and look and see what else is around. You just kept on walking forwards. Um, I actually think of it now, and I guess, you know, time gives you wisdom. It's actually more like a, it's like a journey through a forest. And you've got pathways to the left and the right. You've got obstacles to overcome and streams to cross and, and all of this other stuff going on. But you can go any way you want. And the, I find the people that I admire are the ones who find new ways through the forest, not the ones that just go down the corridor the furthest. Um, and if you think about all the, the heroes that we have, particularly today, and, and I think maybe this is something that has changed over time. You know, we, we used to think about the CEOs and, and the, the, the guy, the, the old ad industry thing, you know, the mailroom guy who, who ascended to CEO over 40 years in one company. Um, I think that, that was, there was some sort of heroism in that at some point, but most of the people we admire now are the ones that have done all lots of different things. It's the diversity we love and that we get inspired by rather than the, the, the linear progression. Um, and and the, for me, um, now being an employer uh, as, a, as opposed to an employee, we don't want to get into that trap. I mean, it, it's, this is back to me being 16 or 18 again and having someone say, it's okay for you to step off and find another pathway, um, and wanting to do that. And we actually build that into, into our culture here at local. Uh, everybody here, the core of, the, of, of our culture, the core thing that we want to know about each of our people is wh what do they want to be? Where do they want to go next? And then every piece of training and guidance we give them is about that. And every one of those people we're saying, not here, where do you want to go? You want, do you want to be an entrepreneur? Do you feel like in your heart you'd like to start something? Let's give you an idea of what it's like to be one. Um, do you want to, you, you want, you'd actually like to be in a senior position in a large company, you know, managing a ton of people? Let's get you with those people. Um, and so I think that career is, is, someone say career is a myth. I think it's a trick, actually. 
<laughs> this is um, <getting> good. <laughs> and it, it's it, it's to, to to it's conning us to toe the line, to keep filling the empty chairs as opposed to to create something new. And I don't think that that's fulfilling. Um, and, and for me, I, I think depending on exactly how you cut it, I think I'm on career number four or five. Um, and here's what's fun about all of this is. Do you know what my actual ambition is for the for the final uh, step is to be a mechanic again. Mm. Um, I, I still am in my spare time. I don't want to be paid to do it. I did do it because I love it. I was never good enough to do it for a for a big salary, but I enjoy it. And so to be able to come all the way around to fixing fixing up old cars will be the will be the sort of this circular progression as I wander through the forest and end up back in the same place where I started, but full of all the adventures I've had along the way, that would be great. And I think everyone needs to think in that way. I'm not surprised. Um, I often run a really cool exercise, not like um, in any kind of setting, just on people. I always tell people to look back to when they were anywhere from about 13, 14 to about 21. <clears throat> and where was their natural curiosities? at and were they constantly like working on or doing or with things with their hands or whatever it was that they were really really in ingrained in because you're at your closest to birth which is um your closest in intuition in your soul so you actually know what you want to do or what you want to be around there's something in there that's it's tied to at a very deep rooted soul level 22 people tell you to start being responsible quote unquote and you should give up your dreams quote unquote <laughs> you should go be responsible by doing a career and um, the ones that didn't listen, who kept going with it, like, and you, you see this with people like Justin Timberlake, where he said, no, I was always going to be a musician, period, end of story, done, done. Like, and, and he said, they show when he was a child talking about this, like, no, I'm going to be a musician. So, but most people will leave the, the dream, but it's interesting, a lot of people who are very self-aware, I have found, make it back. They make it back to their 18, 19, 20-year-old selves. So I'm not surprised that you're somehow inadvertently doing that. You know, and it's it becomes part of your life. So it's very interesting. I love that. Well, this is, and you, you mentioned, you know, a superstar like Justin Timberlake, someone who has been able to follow a linear progression through. I mean, with I'm sure a bunch of hardship and a bunch of stuff he didn't particularly enjoy doing to get there in terms of the, you know, the the gigs and the travel and whatever else. But um, you can't. Most people who try to follow that fail, uh, and then what they'll do is is give up that dream entirely, and then and and sort of forego any other opportunities for safety mm -hmm. and i think that what we actually need to do is to is to teach everyone that there is no there's not there's not a point in life where you stepped onto one um you know you guys snakes and ladders uk i think you guys call it shoots and shoots and ladders the yeah game, yeah where you've set, stepped onto one ladder that you can't get off there's not one point in life um and and i think that they that people feel like this maybe it's the 22 year old moment that, oh, I've gone too far down this path now. I can't, can't become something else. Um, and I, I don't believe that at all. Uh, we, we just did a, um, and so you're catching me at the end of, uh, of, of a crazy month and, and the last two weeks traveling up and down the, the West Coast, um, meetings and summits and, and uh, we did a charity ride, a uh, bicycle ride down Big Sur for the Best Buddies charity. Um, anyone's a cyclist out there, the most beautiful ride I've ever done in my life. Um, and, and they do one every year down Big Sur. So I, I fully recommend it. I'll be there next year too. Uh, but the, the trip culminated in um, uh, attending Worlds, the um, conference down in Long Beach. 
and actually speaking um, with a gentleman from Coca-Cola, who's one of our clients, um, and talking about the future of work and the future of talent. Uh, and we did a live exercise, a crazy live exercise, with about 100 um, uh, people in, in the room that we were in, asking people to identify what function, the job title that you talked about, you know, uh, and, and the, the box to put them in. Um, and then to tell us their superpower. You know, am I a, um, a planner, a thinker, a builder, a guide, you know, a, a, a coach of people, things like that. Uh, and we, in so doing, we're able to, to show that the function that you're in has very little correlation to the superpower or skill set that, that, that is core to you. You know, you would say that all marketers should be storytellers. This was one of our superpowers. And actually, it was, it was a low percentage. Um, most of the people there, if you use traditional wisdom, were out of position, which is so telling. Mm. Um, that, and, and we need that. You need a mix of different people in any team making anything. You know, I'm, I'm fascinated to know uh, what a scientist would make of the work we do with culture and communications. We would learn something from that. Uh, and I think that if we start thinking about less about career and, and tours of duty, adventures, journeys um in in making building creating different things using our varied experience to bring objectivity and insight into that that new thing i think we'd make a lot more cooler stuff fun you know that, that which is which is a good thing but more importantly i think work would be more rewarding i think we'd all feel like we made a greater impact because we were able to to apply what, what the richness in us to, so, to such a variety of things. Um, and I think that's really what I'm getting at with this. The no, career doesn't allow you to do that. No, I, I think it was, that was very well put. I mean, it's, um, it allows for uh, greater collaboration, greater impact, greater mental health, greater, greater self-awareness, um, you know, uh, greater efficiency. Uh, I mean, all around, when, when you... When you <laughs> Instead of people trying to fit into roles, they're trying to take talent into experiences and help collaboratively to create impact. And I think right. that that's a massive difference of approach to business and to the customers and then, of course, the world at large. Because now you're, now you're playing from a, you know, a, different, a different playbook. You know, you bring in a sign, and I and I, I I like that idea. Like, hey, guys, we're doing marketing, but you know what? I want to bring in a scientist who had never thought about doing marketing. But what's the most important part about marketing? People. And what's people. the most important part about people? Understanding them. And who's going to mm -hmm. understand them better than anybody? A data scientist who knows oh, exactly yeah. the right questions to ask. <laughs> you know? So, like, exactly. when when you when you start when you start coming outside of the box and saying, you know, um. Just asking the right type of, of questions and getting the right type of people um, based off of their experiences and their talents, um, then the world becomes filled with tons more possibilities. Like literally, you could go like into anything. You could have you know, uh, and, and 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 we're fortunate enough that like you mentioned, you're you're seeing more people do it now. But you see it all the time. You see like musicians who were once athletes. And are now going into fashion, <laughs> you know. They do right. like all these different things, but it's sort of like, 
listen, like I have an eye for details. So my eye for details and bringing good people together and making stuff happen helped in sports, helped me make my music career, is now helping in fashion and, and, and beyond, you know? And I, and I think that that's where, that's why I get so hung up on this word career because it's like, well, that just implies that you're going to just stay under like this, this title of one thing where really it's the functionality you're bringing to the title, which you can bring into anything. And in fact, the more you bring it in, in a mul- with a multitude of different people, the more possibilities there really are, right? I mean... 100%. Now, what you, what you said about the, the artists and, um, and fashion, absolutely. But what we have to do now, it, it, it's limited to a few lucky people, really, in, in yes. the grand scheme of things. How do you scale it? Um, there's So I, I'm happy to be an eternal optimist and I do believe this when I say it, is that people are amazing every single person is amazing and there's a couple of great quotes that I always lean into um, uh, the first one is, and I'm, forgive me I can't remember um, who, who said this but, we, but I love it is, is it, everyone in the world knows something you don't and if you go through life believing that you'll interact with others in an entirely different way um, and, and the other one from Brian Solis is, is that no one, want, no one wakes up in the morning wanting to be mediocre. Right. We all want to make a difference. We all do. Um, now, we're not all able to. We don't all have the access or the resources or the support or, uh, that, that, say, a, you know, a musician or a fashion designer would have. But, you know, the guy driving that delivery truck or um, pouring that coffee, they have so much more to offer than maybe that that job allows or that career path allows and how do you unlock that i'm fascinated by um the the way that you know companies i'm going to pause there for a second uh, because i I learned something just this last month or so from one of our very smart uh strategists here um that the actual origin of the word company is is community people gathering to break bread compan Huh. Um, and so the, and I think we've forgotten that, like coming together <laughs> we sure um, to, to share something. Haven't we, haven't we forgotten that in, in, in companies? But the majority of, of companies don't let their people do that. Actually, um, go even further and, and being marketers, you know, you and I, we get this. You said it just a minute ago. We want to learn as much about people as possible. We want to understand them because isn't that, that's the one um, unique sort of uh, difference that you can have from one brand to another is actually a deeper understanding of your, your, uh, your audience, that competitive advantage. Um, we know so much about cons- people as consumers these days out there in the world. You know, um, somebody told me that um, the, it, the average number of, of data fields that a platform like Amazon or Alibaba or one of those would have, you know, it's more than 10,000. 10,000 things about me and 10,000 things about you. Yep. Um, what's the average number of things that we know about our employees? You know, if you take an, take an average company, you know, what, that 10-year salary, role, function, you know, things like that, we, we, we don't know anything about them. Um, so how can we ever seek to bring in the, the, the you know, this eclectic group of talented people together to solve a problem if we don't know what makes them unique and individual. We just know them from for the job title that they have. Um, it, and I think that one of the biggest things that I would love for, for to see change is 
an investment in the depth of knowledge of, of employees in companies at the same level that we that you make an investment in the depth of knowledge of the customers. Uh, and it's true because if you don't know your employee and then therefore can't can't reach them, uh, can't extract the greatest value from them, can't um, can't get them to believe or care about what you do, then that's going to blow straight back yeah. to the customer that you've spent all this time trying to engage. Um, I always use this story. And if I'm uh, flying with a new airline, any of them, and I see the ad, you know, the Super Bowl spot or whatever it is, and, and I'm like, yeah, that's the airline for me. I like how they talk. I like how they look. I want to fly with those guys. I download the app, and the app is beautiful. Uh, seamless experience. And hey, they're flying from my local airport to the exact place I want to go. And they're going on the time and the day I want. And the price is good. Okay, bingo. This is my airline. Uh, and, I, and then I arrive at the airport and the gate agent is miserable, rude, or disinterested. <laughs> my experience with that airline is negative. Even though they spent all that money on all that other stuff. It's, it's gone in that moment. And the, the reason that that person is maybe miserable is not uh, because that's how they go through life, but because they're not particularly happy with the job that they have or the way they've been treated or the opportunities that they have. Fix that and then you fix the deficit in experience which drives the customer value that everyone's looking at. So. Yeah, you know, it's um, it, it's so true. It's interesting how, and you can see where, where cultures that do have this down right. I was actually just talking about this with a, a friend the other night. Um, uh, here in the states, we have a, and I don't know how many different states we have it in, but it's called Quick Trip. It's a convenience store that really flipped the industry on its head, and it's like one of the fastest growing in the country. And I believe it has a very high cultural rate, um, or like cultured uh, group of people in terms of like the way they 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 feel. Mm. Um, it, so Quick Trip is um, th- basically on the countertop uh, when you go to check out has two sides, so they're always handling two people at a time practically. Like they're moving mm-hmm. from one to one. They're very very fast. They're very extremely friendly and happy. And like they get all these benefits. From what I understand, they get all these benefits. They get all these like, you know, they just, they take care of their employees so well and the employees take care of the customers so well. And you see this trickle down effect of um, the culture being guided all the way through to, um, you know, the customer's end experience and so forth, whatever. But I, I think it's 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 interesting that when we choose brands and um, we... Ha, you're right. We have this experience. It it doesn't. It's we're we're not the only part of that experience. And I think that that em, the employees, the relationship that they have to the company, and the relationship they have to us, they're like some of the most important. They, in my opinion, almost I guess they're probably the most important conduit. I, I, I think they actually are the biggest driver of brand value now. Right. I think there's a study um, right. that, that you know. Packaging, design, advertising is less impactful than the customer experience, whether it be it by phone or in person. Yeah. It, so you're, you're so right. It, absolutely true. I mean, because they're just literally, um, you know, in, in dealing with, um, you know, I mean, not to get too down that, that kind of rabbit hole, but in dealing with uh, with uh, the passing of my father a couple of months ago, um, he, he set everything up. So it was mostly great, but like I'm helping kind of close out some of his accounts. And it's been interesting to see how different brands and different companies handle different things, especially as sensitive as a loss of a family member. And man, <laughs> like some, you just want to like, they, you feel like they're hugging you through the phone and they're just like all about it. How can I take care of this? How can you take care of that? And some are just, they're so automated and they don't even understand the, the, 
the severity of the situation or able to help take care of it. And you're just like, wow, like I would never want to deal with you guys ever again, you know? And it just goes to show you how much the, the impact has on the customers are, or the, the employees of the, are the, the conduit, you know, for the company, you're right. They're the, the brand assets. They're the brand ambassadors or everything for the company. So it's, uh, especially, and the other thing, by the way, that you also brought up about, um, people who sometimes they're in, um, roles where they may not even know it, um, like in like, uh, and nothing wrong with the Starbucks role, of course, at all. But like, they're, they, they're, there's more that they want to be doing, um, and they're just currently doing that. It's been interesting. Uh, there's been a couple times where I'll run into either like a Starbucks employee or um, a Whole Foods employee, although I think they're taken care of pretty well, uh, and then like or like a restaurant employee. And man, they're so good. They're so f- like in their vibe. I don't even know what their skill set is. And the first thought I have is I would hire you. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, have you ever, have you ever, have you, ever you know, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? All the time. You come across all people, you're like, I don't know exactly what it is I'd have you do yet or what your skill set is yet, but I'd hire you. What do you, and then like, I'll, sometimes I'll even said to them, like right there in the restaurant, like, what do you really want to be doing? You know? And they're just, but, but in general, and, and they don't even downplay their current role because they take it with such pride. Those people I would hire all day long for the sheer fact that they are respectful and they do their work with pride and joy and love and respect. You know, it it brings us on to that wonderful awakening that we're having um, around EQ versus IQ. You know, that we we can't, you can't measure EQ in a uh, sort of a traditional test or on a resume. You know, it's somebody who went to an Ivy League university versus, like me, left school and they were 16. The EQ could be higher on that uh, on that lever versus the the, the very well educated person. Um, and and I think that e- what you're sensing is EQ. Yes. Um, I actually had this experience myself. Um, I hadn't long moved to Atlanta, uh, doing what most um, you know homeowners do, and I'm at Home Depot. And it was Lowe's. I'm sorry. I'm just get that right. It was Lowe's. And uh, the the young gentleman helping me out, um, he's got an injured foot, so he's kind of dragging this thing around. And which I'm trying to buy shelving. There's not much more that's that's heavier than shelving in, in Lowe's. And even with his injured foot, and even with me saying, "Please don't, please don't," I got this. He insisted on helping me out to his to, to the car with it. Um, and we went at his pace and, and we, we got it out on the, on the trolley and in, into the car. And as we go in, I was like, so what happened to your foot? And he was telling me this story about having being in an accident and he'd lost his job. Uh, and he just now got back to this job, um, to, to fill the, to, to keep paying the rent, um, for him and his new wife. And he was actually looking, um, to try and start his career. I use that word because he used it, um, in advertising. I was like, aha, uh-huh. I might know a couple of people. Um, so we swapped numbers and uh, it took a few months, but we got him an internship at a, a, a big digital agency. Um, and, you know, that was a little bit of a favor. You can do that when you, you have a, a sort of client role. Someone will entertain that and say, yeah, well, if this, if this kid is smart, you know, we'll, we'll give him um, a, a quick go over the summer or something. I said, that's the most I can do. And three months later, he emailed me and said they offered me a full-time job. Hmm. Um, and that felt really good. That felt really good. I, I, every year I try and help at least one person if I can like that, uh, cause I realize how hard it is to navigate the industry and, it, and, and try, I'm trying to be like 
the gentleman at the engineering firm that I was at and say, you know, I can, I can, I can be selfless and be um, self-aware and invest the time even though I get nothing back from it uh, because it helps the, this, this person. It just gets seen and then it's over to them. It helps put them on the new path and then it's up to them to walk. Um, and it's, yeah, it's incredibly rewarding. So you really, Matt, I'm going to hold you to this. The next time this happens to you, you kind of have to hire them. And we'll, we'll come back around one time the next one we do of these and we'll see if you did it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And by the way, I, I think it's cool. Um, think about what that man who did that for you all those years ago. Think about now how his legacy is living on from his choices he made. Because I don't know who this individual is, but here we are all these years later. He's now being talked about on a podcast. He shaped your life. You're now shaping other people's lives. And this is how our choices really do end up in dictating um, you know, legacies or, or um, ripple effects on, and impact. And you never really hear anybody say that when somebody was acting like an asshole. <laughs> you know exactly. Exactly. I mean, yeah. it just, this, it, it comes down to, you know, if we are all a little bit more selfless and a little bit more, um, open, things would be better. Um, and you know, the, the rabbit hole we ain't, we're not going to go down is, is that, that, that the need for that in society right now, right. we'll stay, we'll stay in our lane, but, um, it is what's needed. It is what's needed. And you can start with one person. So here's a great question that I know somebody listening would easily ask you right now in this case. If, what, would you, what advice would you give to somebody if they were in a career mode but it is just not resonating with their soul? What would you say is the ripping off the band-aid effect that they should consider doing right now and getting to that core of like, okay, at least you're coming to terms with not, <laughs> with, with that you're in, you're in quote unquote career mode. It doesn't resonate with your soul and there's way more to you than you than you could possibly imagine. And they know that. What would you tell them to do yeah. right now? It's a, it's a great question and there's some layers to it. So we'll start the simple thing that everybody can do, I think, which is to, Articulate clearly in a, in a way that you would tell other people, not just yourself, what it is that you actually feel you want to do. And I don't mean a job. I mean the kind of value and impact you want to have on one other person, on a group of people, on the world in some form. Um, and to articulate that as uh, skills and value. You know, this is what I this is what I love to do, and this is what it can bring. And then, when you've done that, look at what where it is that you that you want to go in the future. You know, and I don't mean you know by the time I get to sixty five, I would like to have two houses and a yacht. I mean, you know, near enough field, like because I'm I'm a big believer in these journeys. What would you like the end of this next journey to be, however long that that is? You know, what, what, what will success, what will, what will um, your, your contentment look and feel like? And, and the feeling, by the way, is often more important than the, 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 the physical um, or, or sort of rational articulation of the stuff I'm going to get. It's not, it doesn't have to be about money. Um, do that and then look at the job you have. And see how much 
of those things you either are doing or can do. Sometimes you, you have somebody who's in a job that isn't actually applying themselves to the thing that they want because they don't feel they can or they haven't asked to do it. And some I've seen it happen where somebody in a particular job at that time can sort of reset themselves to in, to, to to re-enjoy that job again, to to be proud of that work again. And, and it may actually be sort of cultural forces on that team that have, that have made them less in, interested or excited or, or happy with that role. Um, so do that. And then if that's not working, and, and I, you know, it's easy to say, oh, just quit and go start a company. Um, it's really <laughs> not that, that easy and really not always that, that um, doesn't always make you happy. But the next thing to do is to look around if you're, are you happy with the company that you're in? But maybe not the role. Where else could you go from there? Um, and keep doing that. Are you happy in the industry that you're in or not? But do it with that picture of, of yourself instead of don't look at other people. I'm, I'm uh, sort of fascinated by what is happening. I'm going to use Instagram for this, right? So what we do today is we judge ourselves against each other. We've always done that, but we, we were able to do it sort of walking down the, the street. You know, so you see someone with cooler clothes than you've gone, oh, I'd love to have that, or someone with a better car or whatever. Now we can just flick on Instagram and see the person with the perfect body with the, uh, the the most beautiful car that you've ever seen, which is that's what I end up doing, the house you want, the, the boyfriend or girlfriend that you would love to have, whatever that is. Right? And then we create this goal of ourselves, which is a composite of all of those people. You know, it's the, the face of George Clooney and the abs of whoever, you know. Like, and, and so we, we, this person doesn't exist in real life and it's, it's impossible to attain, so don't do that. Judge it on yourself. Um, and then... As you sort of you draw those those layers out, um, that's when the consideration, at least for me, about starting my own business came from. Because I knew that I couldn't find this thing, this thing I would only be you know solved for. Um, this appetite would only be sated by actually building something. And actually, it comes back to the whole mechanic days. I love building. I just wasn't particularly good or fulfilled building that but building a company in an industry that that i've sort of grown up in you know the through various different forms that was more fulfilling and i'll sort of i'll finish with with this piece of advice that i was given um by uh someone uh with more experience than me uh looking back on on time spent and she said and i'm, I'm speaking here to anybody who is in a full-time role somewhere wishing to be an entrepreneur or wishing to be freer and more in control. Uh, and she said that there is a, um, that we believe that there is a security in full-time work that is not there in freelance contract or entrepreneurship. And it's not true. Mm. That full-time work can actually be fraught with as many um, sort of, you know, dangers or, or um, you know, curves in the road that you weren't expecting um, than freelance. That actually you can make a good, comfortable, regular living working for yourself. And actually you can't always do that in full-time work because the nature of the, of the world today is that you are, you can be laid off. 
Yes. You know, the, the, te- the companies can, the reorg, um, as it's known, is a constant state in most big companies. So this, this sort of delusion of security in full-time work and also this, this illusion of the Ill- delusion of insecurity in freelance, it's just not there. Um, and actually, some of the happiest people I know are not entrepreneurs with companies or employees, but individual freelancers writing their own path, taking, taking their own initiative and, and, and choosing. Imagine that, choosing the things you want to work on. Um, and that, for me, I think is something that more and more people are starting to realize and, and um, that fulfillment isn't about just the creation of wealth but actually just about the enjoyment of the journey along the way and finding out what it is that you need to, to enjoy that journey from a financial perspective, but also from a, um, you know, a return on impact perspective. Um, I can do more. The real ROI. That that whole that whole segment right there that you just uh, I'm going to I'm going to take that snippet and blast it everywhere and put it on repeat um, (laughs) for a lot of people. It was so well uh, articulated and um, and and just truly um, it it got to a very soul level. I I really appreciate what you're saying. Um, I was actually taking some notes around, you know, it's it's first of all very interesting point about what you brought up about for people who they may actually fall back in love with their current role once you remove the perception that might be coming from you know especially in an instagram plagued world where you're looking online you're seeing people quote unquote living a life you might have fallen out of love um from a wrong place when technically what you do, and you're in a great environment with really people who are there to help make you flourish, if you kind of remove these expectations of what you think you should be doing, and the grass is not always greener. No matter where you go, it's work. So you have to, I like the fact of you saying, take a step back, like, do you like the work that you do? And how's that environment? And maybe it's just about falling back in love with the process of where you're currently at versus just looking at the greener grass on the other side. And then I do also, you know. There's a beautiful David Bowie quote it says, never play to the gallery. Yes. Always play for yourself. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you can do that in any, any role. Well, and, and you know, and, and, I, and I love that you also brought up, yes, you know, we, <laughs> the Instagram world is, only, is really only showing these, these highlights. Um, but towards the end, what you were also saying about this idea of the, the delusion that some people have about entrepreneurship and then the entrepreneurship delusion that they have about, you know, um, yeah, I, that that I actually I stopped typing at that time, but it was just it was it was just very it was very beautiful about how um you know we're I always say entrepreneurship is a gateway drug to self help uh, and self awareness <laughs> because like you you have to figure it out no one's going to do it for you and oh oh and this you really hit my heart and my soul on this one security I I have hated that that word from the matrix society where they say you know they talk about security they talk about security you know and um you know it was interesting because that um uh after i was divorced i remember you know when i was dating and i was rebuilding some things and, and you know people and partners women would ask like oh you know well you're an entrepreneur like you know and just security and i get it there's nothing wrong with wanting security in your life you realize that security is something that you actually individually have to work for and that if you are relying on an outside world 
like your job to save your hide over theirs, that's not, you have no security on any given day. The company, the organization, the hospital you were, I don't care, whatever it is, can say goodbye, see you later. You don't have any control over that. There is no security. That 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 to me is a definitely a, a something that I have. It's a it's a pain point if you can't tell. Um, but it's it's been. We, we we may have to do another whole podcast on this because um, I, I want to ask the question to anyone who seeks security. It's like security for what? Protection from what? What is it you're scared of? You know, we we don't live in a world um, here at least where. Many of us are struggling to survive. I know that that's still the case with so many people around around the world, but it, yet we're the ones looking for security. And I think it's actually a it's a proxy because we no longer have to worry about survival. So the security we want is actually um, the the protection of a certain lifestyle that we aspire to. Yeah. And if we actually decouple from that, yeah. Um, and and say, so, well, shit, you know, lose my job. Well, it's the worst that's going to happen. Right. Go get another one, and maybe you know, not get the new car this year. Come on, you know, yeah. we would not, maybe we don't eat out for a couple of months. You know, and I know some people are in a in worse situation for that, but the, a lot of the people that I hear talking about that word security um, are actually fairly well protected already. You know, and 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 have a lot of the things that that we used to aspire to many years ago. So um, I think that's the the delusion, it, and. You know, do we really go to sleep at night, you know, saying, well, didn't enjoy today, but at least I'm secure. I don't think I don't think that's the goal. Exactly. Um, And I think if you look back, you know, older, later in life, you're going to go, well, all those things I didn't do and didn't try just so that I could protect these things that I had. Um, And and there's a trick. There's a trick to that. And I don't think it's particularly malicious. I think it's just grown over time. And it's in connection to this word career, which is. a career has become. We're going to keep you safe in a job. Mm. We're going to keep you. Going to keep you here. And in so keeping, in, and if you stay here, you can have that new BMW every couple of years. If you stay here, we will look after you. Um, and, and I'm not sure that being looked after is actually what we want. I actually think that we want to go out there and strive for a bit more than that. It's true. So true. So I yeah we'll we'll we're gonna do round two on <laughs> on security but I you know but I just I found that very and I'm glad you brought it up because it, it, there's um you know the freedom that does come up is that we 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 learn that much more about ourselves especially in entrepreneurship we learn that much more about ourselves and um you know in this uh, idea that. Uh, reliability has to start first on relying on ourselves and our intuition and our gut and making good choices and then how that flows out from there right versus this reliability of like uh of relying on other people you know it's funny because i remember for many years when when i was younger and i would I'd talk about the journey and i'd say to my, you know, my mom like you know this whole security thing this is actually years ago this is you know but we talk about it and she said you know and it's funny because she always helped my mother my father's uh business but she would say why are they so secure? She's like, you can adapt to any situation. Do you realize she's like, if they lost their job tomorrow, what does that look like for them? What does adaptation look like? How does solving the problem in the moment work for them? She's like, it's like deer in headlights. She's like, don't shortchange yourself. And I, I really right. appreciate that coming from a non-entrepreneurial person. That was well, a very, it was, well, it was very eye-opening. That's self-awareness right there. We could all do a bit more of that. Right. Um, 
Yeah, I I 100% agree. So, Uh, your mum's a wise lady. Uh, so, w- question for you: Where and thank you for that. Thank you. Where where can people find out about you online and like what you're doing with local industries? And if you want to like real quick break down like you know kind of what local industries is doing, uh, we've got a lot of really great. You know, we've got everywhere from entrepreneurs all the way up to corporate CEOs that listen to this show. So, um, you know, anything that you want to share with us, it would be great. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll do the non-sales sales pitch for uh, for a minute. So. Um, we, we're a group of, we call ourselves reformed marketers, but we're kind of still marketers. Um, we've all been through the agency and the client side world, just like you, Matt, and had this realization that um, it doesn't matter how great your idea is. If the culture of the company that you're working either in or for doesn't, won't accept it for whatever reason, then it's dead. Uh, and so we've all experienced this with very large um, you know, the advertising campaigns, marketing campaigns, that kind of stuff. So that's where we started. But over the course of the last three or three and a half years or whatever of doing this, um, we realized it's not a marketing problem at all, that actually uh, every leader in every discipline in uh, large and small companies, but particularly the larger companies, are at the mercy, their, their, their new initiatives are at the mercy of culture. And no one is really empowered to help those ideas travel through that culture. And, and when I say that, um, ideas, a new technology that you're rolling out um, to manage workflow, a new uh, platform for HR, a new process, a, a CEO's vision, values, and anything, a new product, new brand, new, new uh, opening to a new market, any of those things, new ideas. Um, because you, you can't create culture you can only create the optimal conditions for positive culture change. Um, and most companies don't invest in creating those conditions. And so culture is actually created by the employees. Uh, it's, uh, as Andrew, one of my business partners, would say, it's culture is basically the, the, the way people behave when no one's looking. And so if you think of, of, of a corporate culture where you have unhappy employees, and the numbers are staggering when you dig into the research, 70% of people are disengaged at work. So that, that miserable or, or frustrated gate agent you know, is, a, is a real thing. Um, and those Whole Foods people that you mentioned, or you know, when you have a positive interaction, we remember it because it doesn't happen that often. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen every time. Um, no one's job is, to, is to, to help these very valuable but fragile new ideas navigate the culture of companies. Um, and, and affect to 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 have them welcomed and adopted by the employees. Um, that is the the genesis of local. We were uh, strategic marketers that bring a communications team design process design, um, but uh, approach to helping ideas travel through through companies. Um, you know, we've done large. Uh, technology rollouts for um, Coca-Cola, Procter and Gamble, learning programs, employee value propositions, um, and working a lot, a lot with senior HR leaders and IT leaders and marketing leaders. Um, and our approach is, is really just to design change around employees instead of just around the company, to involve employees in what's happening, to help them understand it, to build belief around the the, the, the positive value of a new idea to help them understand how anything new helps them 
helps them grow, helps them make an impact, helps them build relationships with their uh, their colleagues, their manager. Um, really, it's it's treating uh, employees as internal consumers with as much deference and care um, as consumers because they deserve it. Uh, and in so doing, helping that change be carried forward by them. Um, because truly, that the only way that the, the, the change really takes hold is if the employees in a company embrace it. Um, and, and again, the, the, the numbers, you know, up to 75% of, of transformation and change projects fail. Um, and, and Gallup will tell you that 66%, I think, two-thirds of the reason for failure are people and talent issues. Yet we still don't lean into that. So we're a consulting group that uh, kind of operates like an agency. So we're hands-on, sleeves all that making stuff, not just um, delivering sort of, uh, you know, PowerPoint. Um, and we are we work with everything, everybody from non-profits to, to large Fortune 50 corporates from high-growth companies like Airbnb or eBay to 150-year-old companies like Zurich. Um, if you anybody wants to read anything more, we're about to launch our new uh, website. We're, we're the cobbler's kids when it comes to marketing ourselves, so we, uh, we take a long time to actually make stuff for ourselves. But we're about to launch that, which will have a lot of uh, new information about what we're doing. We write, we speak. Um, there's a book in the works about this problem of, 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 of the... the the barrier and restriction to the impact that we all need at work. Um, and really, we're just um, sort of passionate and driven group of people trying to help employees enjoy their daily life more and companies to engage with their people more so that all of the change that's necessary um, actually can maybe land. Um, so that's us, yeah. Well, you're going to get a lot of emails from a lot of employees. They're going to either a say, place me into one of your new companies that, <laughs> or come to our company and, and, uh, make us have more fun again. But uh, I think what you're doing is a hugely, is a huge project, um, a huge, massive undertaking and, um, undeniably needed globally. Um, and you'll probably be kept very busy in places like the United States, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> you know, hey, it's, not, it's not too different back in, in my home country. I'm sure. Too. We've got a couple of problems going on as well. I'm sure. And, uh, you know, listen, I just, I truly appreciate having you on. Um, you know, and I, and I've told you this before, but, uh, I always tell this to, to our guests on the show. You're welcome back on any time. It is a journey driven podcast. So, uh, you know, you're uh, to, to the point of what we're talking about, that life changes, things change. We're never more than one thing. And there's always more beautiful opportunities constantly happening and experiences. I'd love for you to come back on, you know, a few months, six months, a year, whatever. We talk about a whole new set of topics or a whole new set of things that you've experienced or just some that we want to just go to town on. <laughs> you are welcome back on right. anytime, man. Anytime. Well, Matt, I, I loved talking today. Um, love what you're doing. And I, honestly, I think that the concept that you're bringing to people of the, it's, it's within them. It's not so much about having some genius idea as the recognizing the potential in you to do something bigger and better, whatever that is. So uh, keep doing what you're doing. I'll definitely come back. Um, as I said, there's a book in the works. If we can actually figure out the time to, to, to finish it. Maybe I can come and talk about that next year at some point. But until then, um, I'll be listening. And thank you. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for being on. And for everybody uh, listening, you know, you can find uh, Neil Bedwell on 
uh, Insta, Facebook, and all your usual places um, at Neil Bedwell, N-E-I-L, B as in boy, E-D-W-E-L-L. Check out localindustries.com. Uh, the site looks good, but they're going to be redoing it. We, we all know how that goes. Every one of us knows how that goes. Um, and, you know, I want you guys to truly think about what you're doing and why you're doing it and whether or not you are happy. Do not worry about all of the end outcomes and expectations that you place on yourself or that society places on you. Worry about your happiness. I am telling you right now, the more that you actually pay attention to your happiness and increasing it, the more the other things that you're hoping to have in your life will come more naturally. And so maybe not doing the quote unquote career that makes the most sense, but doing the life that does that's probably the direction that I would go in. So I wanted to close with that. And, you know, really, truly grateful for our guest, Neil Bedwell, on today. Again, entrepreneur and founding partner of Local Industries, a digital maven and genius in his own, uh, you know, 15, 20 year plus career. Uh, and, you know, we'll have him come back on and we'll talk about more, more of these great topics in the future. Uh, for myself, Matt Gottesman, and this uh, show, The Hustle Sold Separately, we're out.